Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. I'm joined today by John Semley. He does arts and culture stuff for the Globe, and he does opinion stuff for Toronto Star. Is that about? Is that a good bio, John? That's good. That's about what I do, and tweet compulsively. All right, so. let's... <laughs> Let's get to it. This is Canada Land Shortcuts. Today's episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Roger Morier, Brendan Adams, Jeffrey Turnbull, Stephen Rurda, Curtis Tokerchuk, Jordan Holmes, Travis Green, Andrew Couture, Joe G, and Rob Crawford. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month 
at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Kind of a slow news week? Yeah, I mean, except for... Evergreen news. I mean, uh, the Berlin Wall, Remembrance Day, these things that happen every year happen again this year. It's not really news. It's unnews. It wasn't a slow news week. It was like news that you could have known would be news, you know, three years ago that it would be news. And this stuff interests me in that it doesn't interest me at all. I find the Berlin Wall stuff interesting. I got to confess. You but, did? Well, you know, the 24th anniversary, nobody cares. The 26th, no one cares. The 20th, maybe they did something. But I don't know. They had all these light-up balloons around the old course of the Berlin Wall. It seems like there was some pomp and circumstance. The balloons were nice. Yeah. So here's what the Remembrance Day coverage sounded like. I mean, and, and this was, I mean, this was, this was the news. It's Remembrance Day. It was the cover of the Globe and Mail. Sounded like this in broadcast media. More than 80,000 people are expected in the nation's capital. As you stand at the National War Memorial, which is the focal point today, and it's about to be rededicated with a special mention of the Afghanistan mission where your son fought and died. Here at this ceremony, 12 of the surviving airmen are going to honour their fallen colleagues. There's a lot to remember today, and remember, it's solemn remembrance. There's no celebration of war here. Anyone that says that is clearly deluded. It's not celebration, it's solemn remembrance. Yeah, but you know, as I do, that this has been uh, Remembrance Day. Uh, you know, we still fight the agenda of those who want to hijack the day and make it a political day, and that's not what it's about. We have to fight their agenda to make it political. <laughs> yeah, we have to remember in solemn remembrance, Remembrance Day. This isn't to say that we that we should not honor Remembrance Day and that it's not a day of solemn remembrance and, and our veterans and any disrespect. I just, my gut reaction to the first second of that footage is, oh, I don't have to care about this. Exactly. I mean, we know it's Remembrance Day. We know what it is. Even the same sort of debates we have, does it glorify war? Is there such a thing as a good war? This and that. These same things kind of come up, flare up every year and are muted within a few hours. You know, at this point, I think I can wake up on November 11th, know that it's Remembrance Day. I don't need to pick up the paper to be reminded. I don't need to turn on the news to be reminded. I don't need to go down to the war memorial to be reminded. Even that guy kind of like asserting like, it's absurd those people who say that this is a glorification of war. It's like, who are you fighting with? Or the, the, that other woman who's saying, you know, the, 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 this is a conflict with those who, you know, hijack this for partisan purposes. There is no conflict. It's Remembrance Day. It's a holiday for us to remember veterans and those who died at war. And I, I don't think like with any kind of like strident certainty that the news should not touch this. 
I just think it's a throwback. I think it's obsolete. I think that there's still this conception of the six o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news, or the newspaper as like, this is the public space. And not everything is going to be hard news and breaking news. This is also where we come together to feel things. And it feels bizarre and absurd to me. I mean, like, Remembrance Day is one of these events where you get hard news reporters trying to hit emotional notes. Well, um, I remember the star, the cover of the star, I think this week was a couple who had met before he went off to World War II. And like, that was the big story, like trying to make it this sort of human interest piece. And I mean, I suppose the sad thing is the further we get, I mean, certainly World War One, but even World War Two now, the harder it is going to be to find people who are still alive. So I, I see a sort of narrowing of it that people might be trying to seize on, you know, try to wring something out of it while the ringing's good, because certainly... Going, for, I mean, we heard in that clip someone whose son was in Afghanistan, but it's harder to make those cases, you know, about it's just about remembering the soldiers. It's not about the politics of it when you're talking about more modern conflicts in Afghanistan and wherever else. You know, I guess if you do want to find something that's newsy and edgy about this, how about the fact that there are now more veterans of uh, the, the Afghanistan conflict who have committed suicide than who died in the actual conflict. And how about the fact that Canadian veterans are now like not being seen in photographs? They will not allow themselves to be photographed with members of the Conservative Party because of the way veterans are treated. This is the thing. I mean, a lot of people take that as being tasteful. And some people might listen to this and be like, you guys are monsters, my grandfather, this and that. Let me just say for the record, also, all our grandfathers and all our great grandfathers were over there in one capacity or another, I'm sure. Mine mostly getting killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's not a unique experience to inherit a second or third generation. But I did a piece for The Star actually last week where people think it's tasteless to bring this stuff up on Remembrance Day to be like, hey, I mean, this is the day of solemn remembrance. And my opinion is always, well, this is the day when issues like war and the politics of war and people dying in trenches and scratching at their throats because they're being gassed and all these horrifying experiences are front of mind. Yeah. So why shouldn't we be sort of, you know, mounting discussions like that around Remembrance Day? Yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes some stuff is cool that comes out. Like I, I was hearing one report. It was an interview about like what trench war warfare was actually like and just how horrific it was. And, you know, the, to this question, like, wow, these people, what they put up with and how did they endure it? And the, and the answer was... They didn't endure anything. Everybody had like a complete psychological collapse. And, you know, the discipline in these in these forces broke down after a year in like every army. I mean, that's interesting stuff. And it's just when the hard news turns to things like this or to the to the Berlin Wall commemoration, because then you're not necessarily hitting that emotional note so much as you're like, you know, hard news reporters as historians. And that's also like a weird fit. But I don't know, in a way, as far as the sort of amateur historian type thing in hard news, I mean, I am a total history enthusiast, I guess. I wouldn't even call myself an amateur historian. You dig history. I dig it. And I think it's important to think through those things and do, like, you know, if we're talking about the Berlin Wall, instead of talking about, like, oh, great, Germany was unified and Europe was strong and together again. Let's talk about all the other cases in the world where communities are segregated either by, you know, bifurcation of their population or through sort of, you know, economic stratifications and things like that. Instead of there was a wall... And 25 years ago, they started chipping away at the wall, and now there's no wall, and here's, you know, 800 meters of balloons. <laughs> the balloons were pretty. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop, stop shitting on the balloons. <laughs> I just, um, I feel like, yeah, why not? Take the excuse to learn something about, about the Berlin Wall and what the Cold War was all about and what all of that was about. Take a moment to think about war. Why not? And, and yet I have this other very strong impulse, which is like, I'm not getting a lot of information from these reports. What I'm getting is a clear message about how I'm supposed to feel about these historical events. And don't tell me how to fucking feel. 
That, that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, today is a day to be sad, or in the case of the Berlin Wall, I guess today is a day to be happy. Th- that sort of function of the news, though, has collapsed all over the place. I mean, the op-ed writing versus the hard news writing has kind of become blurred in a way, or there's an expectation now that you need three op-eds per every hard news story that there is. Um all of this stuff is 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 like remnants of a dying media formula where you have space to fill right. that must be filled, where you have hours to fill of broadcast that must be filled, and they, they make less and less sense in an internet news cycle where you're like, why are you saying this if it didn't need to be said? And that brings us to a, another type of unnews that you have. I think it would be fair to say a wild hair up your ass about <laughs> a wild hair up my ass. Yeah, and this is because like, okay, I'm 28. I'm came up on the internet. Saying the word viral video sort of get, brings a twinge of embarrassment in the back of my neck. But when the news starts reporting on viral videos, so yeah, I think you have a clip of a bunch of sort of viral, recent viral things sort of cobbled together to jog all our memories as if they need to be jogged. I'm Lauren Ashburn with Social Buzz. There's a new disgusting trend in viral video parents recording toddlers smoking and uploading it to Vine or YouTube. So you're leading her on here, and then you get the meme. Nah. On Dancing Nana Part 3, she belts out a tune popular in her day. But Runaway Sue is her runaway viral hit. How many indie artists does it take to play a guitar? Well, one Ontario band has a creative answer, and millions are loving it. Twitter lit up with the meme rejected Star Wars titles. Alex from Target, who gained over 500,000 Twitter followers in 24 hours, becomes the latest viral sensation. I feel like this is such an old school, old media thing, trying to catch up with the internet. I feel like reporting that something went viral is like saying on the news that something was newsworthy today. It, it, it just, I don't know, it, it strikes me as really odd and really obnoxious. I mean, the thing about viral videos that made them interesting 10 years ago is that nobody knew about them or you would share them among your friends. It was like the, the old days where you'd get a cassette in your college dorm room with like, you know, a video of a man setting himself on fire by accident. And then YouTube came to replace this. And now the way that the news kind of covers it and says, this is a thing that's popular, or there were X number of hashtags or X number of tweets about it as if it's really super meaningful to my mind is its own sort of meme and joke. Like this super cut that you just played to me is funnier than anything that they were talking about. (laughs) I sort of saw it happen firsthand in a newsroom. I was like a tech guy journalist at the CBC doing like regular Newsworld hits back when it was called Newsworld. And I would be trying to push my agenda and I was trying to do serious tech stuff about surveillance this and, you know, privacy that and and, uh, copyright. And then what I would get brought on the air for would be like, we want to do a thing about this viral video. And it was always just a flimsy excuse to play the viral video. And, And so it was interesting because the journalists kind of went from the early days where they were like very, I think, you know, more so than the general population, skeptical of the internet and derisive of the internet and dismissive of the internet and all internet culture because they felt personally threatened by, you know, not just citizen journalism, but just that people were watching that instead of watching their TV show. A bunch of morons went crazy for a stupid video today. Yeah, but then you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're like, a bunch of morons went (laughs) crazy for a stupid video. Here it is. And it's so undignified. It's a reporter reporting that that this had this many tweets or followers. It's like, well, like 
at a certain point, the news just becomes stuff I saw on the internet earlier today. And I mean, part of the appeal of this, I think, is that nobody really knows how proprietary this is. Like a video of someone's cute dog on YouTube, it's like, oh, okay, we can show this because it doesn't belong to anyone. It's out there in the ether of the web. Let's sort of frame some graphics around it and we'll chew up two and a half minutes. But beyond, it's not even that it's trifling that matters to me. It's like a viral video is like catching a greased pig, you know? And it's not that the news broadcasters have like apprehended the greased pig. They just have a photo of someone trying to catch it that they're reporting on. <laughs> so it's it's so, I don't know, it's so mediated from being news to me. And, you know, also let jokes be jokes. If something's funny, let it be funny. We don't need a think piece in the star and the post about what makes a viral video funny. I mean, by God. Yeah, they can sort of ruin it, don't you? It's like explaining a magic trick. <laughs> You put your finger on something interesting, though, which is that these are often the same people who are kind of um, crying foul about, say, Huffington Post aggregating their news content. But then when it comes to a YouTube video, they're like, hey, free content. Right. Yeah. Well, there's always this sense, again, to get into the whole think piecey thing. I mean, I'm someone who pervades think pieces from time to time when asked or of my own volition. But I mean, the fundamental thing that a think piece does is take a thing that is sort of ephemeral and lightweight and zero calorie and explain how it's speaking to the zeitgeist in this sort of totalizing, uniform, all-encompassing way for 20 minutes until something else comes along that people care about more. Yeah, often used as a palate cleanser after, you know, a number of people who were killed today in some part of the world. Exactly, yeah. Let's write about an Adult Swim movie that's playing at four in the morning that's confusing potheads. All right, I think, I think this is going great. I think that we are taking apart a slow news week. And a slow news week can actually generate its own news. Yeah. It's just news about news about news. And, uh, and then the Memorial Day stuff actually did generate its own media controversy. And uh, it has to do with, uh, with someone who, uh, like, we'll, we'll, we'll use his name because we have to. It was Ezra Levant. The Greater Essex County District School Board in Ontario circulated an email saying that the public schools that they run with taxpayers' dollars should be prepared to exempt students from Remembrance Day. And in case you're wondering who they might be referring to, in cities like Windsor, where the schools are about 10% Muslim, they gave a pretty strong hint. Remembrance Day is part of our country. It remembers our history and the men and women who fought and died to keep us free. That is who we are. It is not a dark day, an embarrassing day, a racist day, a day of shame. It is a day of remembering who we are and why we are free and what we stand for. It's a disgrace that any family would object to participating in it, especially an immigrant family who came here to benefit from our country. And if they're a Muslim immigrant, as most Muslims in Canada are, odds are they came here from a hellhole like Pakistan or Egypt or Iran. So for an immigrant family to object to our Remembrance Day is unacceptable. How dare these immigrant families object to Remembrance Day? Uh, but they didn't. And as the Globe and Mail uh, reports here, Ezra Levant fucked up. Uh, that, that's what Simon Hapt wrote in the Globe, that he wrongly accuses Ontario School Board of allowing exemptions for Muslim students on Remembrance Day. And this, more than Ezra's original uh, rant about this, went viral. And it's a delicious idea that, as it was reported, the school board puts out the word to their schools that if students want out of Remembrance Day, if their families aren't into it, you can do something else. And Ezra jumps the gun. He thinks that that's them making this exemption for Muslims who should be forced to accept the values of our country and celebrate Remembrance Day. But Ezra got it wrong because what it actually was about, said the school board, was that a lot of families don't want their kids going to places where there are Canadians in uniform because of the recent 
murders of uniformed Canadians. So egg on Ezra Levant's face. For once. For once. He jumped the gun and went off on this racist diatribe. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a beat on Ezra Levant in the sense that He's the molehill that everyone turns into a mountain. You know, he has he always makes these broad, sweeping proclamations about Canada, about how Canada is this kind of nation and Remembrance Day is this. And this is not who we are as Canadians. But I cannot think of a person who speaks to my idea or even a more generalized idea of what Canada is than Ezra Levant. Nobody watches his show. A relevant point and, and one that is interesting to me, and I pointed this out before, like because John Doyle reported on his numbers, he gets like 5,000 people per broadcast. Uh, you know, I think that this podcast is now doing like 20,000. And yet he's in the mainstream consciousness in a way that Trudeau reacts to him. And he's a, a media figure in this way. Like he is incendiary and he incites these huge responses. And as I say, the response to this uh, fuck up on Ezra Levant's part was greater than the actual, way greater than the actual Sun News broadcast. But John got to tell you something, and this pains me. This pains me to reveal this. Yeah. He didn't fuck up. Sun did their due diligence. The original memo from the school board did say we will exempt students if their families want the exemption. Sun did their due diligence and asked the school board, what's that about? And the school board guy said it's for a religious accommodation. And the original memo had one set of links to pictures of Muslim soldiers. So Sun kind of connected that dot. That wasn't definite. But the idea that this was actually a religious exemption, a religious accommodation, was explicitly told to Sun when they followed up on it. Now, what happened next, once Ezra came out with that story, the school board changed their tune and they started to tell other news sources that, no, 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 it's about parents not wanting their kids to be near people in uniform, and it's a safety concern. And then they added links to pictures of all kinds of different nationality soldiers. So essentially, they're the one who made a big error, and then they, they kind of totally fucking lied about it. Listen to this. We were given bad information then by one of your information people. It sounds like that the, whatever question was asked of Mr. Scantleberry was answered, but it's not in conjunction to what this memo states. Well, it was the memo that we, that we showed him and asked what this is about, and he said it was in consideration of our religious accommodations procedure. Um, now you're saying it was not, and Mr. No. Scandalberry was wrong. At this point, whatever question was asked of him, he answered the question, but I can tell you that this memo was truly about safety. So that's Jerry Agar of Sun News following up on that with somebody from the school board. And he's actually being kind to her because he ultimately lets her off the hook that it was a miscommunication. But no, man, it's not what happened. They completely doctored the document after the fact. This does not give Ezra Levant an excuse to talk about, like, like there was no Muslim family who said, I don't want you to send my kid to Remembrance Day. We don't, we don't respect that. And so using that as a jumping off point to this, like, racist diatribe. The guy is you like... You come from a hellhole. You come from a hellhole. Ungrateful. That's it. And... and and, and, and he's so angry as if this was actually like a thing that, that Muslims were refusing to celebrate Remembrance Day. But the media story here is that everybody was so jazzed at the idea that Levant completely blew this one and completely jumped to this conclusion. And I later found out, I, I, I took it up with Simon Haupt at the Globe and Mail, and I asked him, like, are you aware that the school board actually confirmed that it was a religious accommodation? And he sent me this, like long, exhaustive explainer as to how that's actually, if you look at it in, in detail, it's not so clear that that's the policy they were referring to or the question wasn't clear enough that was posed to the school board. Meanwhile, he didn't include any of this in his actual piece on it. And the headline reads that 
Ezra Levant wrongly accuses the Ontario School Board of allowing exemptions for Muslim students on Remembrance Day. That was not a crazy conclusion for Ezra Levant to jump to. Sun News actually checked up on it. And I'm so sorry to be here defending Ezra Levant. I, everybody, I'm so sorry. I think he's a bigot. I think what he said about the Roma people is like inexcusable. And this is maybe a lesson about partisanship. You can't just take every point if you feel that it's 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 a point for your team and against their team. Like like the truth of this has to matter. I agree with that. I mean, part of part of this, I think, is that what Levant jumped to, I guess correctly, uh, is a conclusion that is so consistent with the sort of sudden news editorial mandate, like so consistent with what Ezra will say when Omar Khadr writes an editorial for the Ottawa Citizen or what Michael Corrin will write books about how Muslims are coming to, you know, destroy our values and wage war against Christianity, that a story like that is so sun ready. It's just like the perfect foot and mouth. You guys are awful human garbage. Everyone wants that to be true. It's delicious. It, it didn't happen that way. Okay, let's move on from Ezra Levant. Here's another delightful gentleman, Don Cherry. Because we're tight, Don, East yeah. Willenberry midgets are raising money to go overseas for, uh, they're going to tour tight. Germany Why are we tight? We Why are we are, tight? It's just, you're so popular. Yeah, I guess so. I don't uh, understand sports. I don't speak sports. What are we listening to? So that's uh, Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada as broadcast on Sportsnet now, no longer the CBC. So in the minds of a lot of Canadians, I guess, I mean, I should say for the record, I'm not a huge hockey fan. I'm actually a Sabres fan, which is uh, blasphemous to say in Toronto, I think. But uh, Hockey Night in Canada is sort of the the banner centerpiece of, uh, you know, Canadian hockey culture. And Coach's Corner is the banner centerpiece of that, where Don Cherry and Ron McLean, between the first and second period, talk about the game so far. And it's known as much for the sort of commentary that they'll bring to bear as for, you know, Cherry's flamboyant suits and his lambasting of effect European players and his opinions about how women shouldn't be in dressing rooms. It's become a sort of go-to outrage generator and he's he's annoyed there because Coach's Corner had been cut short and they're trying to do less Coach's Corner, which Cherry is upset by because he sees himself as being sort of the star of the show and the reason people tune in. And there's a couple of ways to think about this. A, maybe they were just going long and they had to sort of trim it back. B, the thing that I like to think is that Sportsnet is sort of trying to suddenly tell Cherry that he's not wanted they're like Brian Dennehy and Rambo, just trying to like run him out of town. Because they brought Strombo on, right? Yeah, Strombo's the sort of hip new face of it. And that idea of Strombo and Cherry on the same broadcast, I guess sort of represents warring old and new schools of hockey broadcasting. A, a veteran coach and player. B, a man who's never done it before in his life. Well, hockey-wise. Yeah. Um, so... My guess is that, yeah, they're trying to pull the sort of old, you know, where the sheriff tries to run the bum out of town with Cherry by sort of making the environment a bit more, if not hostile, than passive aggressive, where he won't want to be there anymore. Well, and his reaction, and that's not the only one. There's a, there's a bunch more here. Listen to this. All right, so this is what he did. And I'll tell you the story there. I don't have much time. As usual, folks, Sittler scored the win. Is we over? We over yet? Okay. Now we got Lance Boma coming up. Hey, I got to hurry, folks. I got to talk fast, boys. You got to pay attention to me, okay? Because I don't get much time. Hey, I got to hurry. Anyhow, we got to end right now, folks. I'm sorry. I just got on and we have to end. Now I'm interested in this. I mean, first of all, it's so Canadian. It's like they're rebranding the whole thing. They're bringing in Strombo. They're modernizing. If you're going to turf the old guy, like that seems like the time. There's been calls for Cherry's head for years and years and years. So like, okay, get rid of him. No, I guess he's still got such a, a, a like a, a devoted audience that like they kind of did a Canadian middle solution where they just gave him a smaller 
bit of airtime, a smaller box to, to play in? Yeah, well, he, he brings a huge, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, Sportsnet is taking this over from CBC. CBC lost their theme a few years ago. They've lost all these things associated with Hockey Night in Canada. And Don Cherry and Ron McLean, like, really represent that to people. If, as I sort of think in my conspiratorial brain, that they are sort of trying to subtly make him feel uncomfortable, they're not being all that subtle about it. Cutting him short and, you know, letting him sort of call them out on it, it's going disastrously so far. I mean, just from a broadcaster's point of view, it's so wildly unprofessional that I'm amazed. I actually think it's wonderful broadcasting. Like, it's such great drama. Such a defiance to just like, there's just no dignity. Like, why don't you just go away then? Or, you know, <laughs> like, I'm sure somebody else will let him broadcast about hockey if he has an audience for it. He could go on the radio or. For... <laughs> well, I don't know if he still does. When I was a kid, he used to do the Rock'em Sock'em VHS tapes. Oh, I remember Which them. would be him yeah. hosting like the best hits and fights and sort of the bro- all the things that we like to disassociate hockey from now. Uh, Cherry represents in the most sort of robust, obnoxious, in your face way, which I have to say. There's something that I kind of, if I don't, I don't, if I don't like it, it's hard not to sort of begrudgingly admire, I guess, that there's someone who refuses to fall in line with how people want the sport to go and still has these sort of hard headed opinions that plenty of older hockey fans share, I'm sure. I mean, he does just like evoke for me a certain kind of like angry suburban white Canadian whose day is passing. Right. And I mean, that will probably be a good thing. Uh, I don't know. You know, if, if Cherry was like, you know, with it enough in the 80s to embrace the VHS uh, format, then maybe there's still hope. He's still got a feverish audience. So like, uh, you know, Don Cherry, I know you're listening. Uh, give me a call and I'll tell you about podcasts. That was Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. Thank you, John. What's your Twitter account? Uh, at John Semley 3000 if you want to read my stuff or half-baked opinions about viral videos. The website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is at patreon.com slash canadaland. You can email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read them all. I respond when I can. I am on Twitter, at jessebrown. This episode was produced by Ethan Cheel, and the next episode will be up on Monday. If you like Canada Land, support it.